On Saturday, I was telling my husband how hard it would be to come up with a top 10 or even a top 20 list of my favorite birds. I went on and on listing my favorites, and then on Sunday morning, a catbird proved my point. I hadn't even thought to include catbirds with my favorites, but one singing in the shrubs next to my front porch made me remember so many splendid encounters with catbirds over the years that, of course, they have to be one of my favorites. Was my very favorite catbird the first one I saw putting the species on my life list? It was mewing in some dense shrubbery on the Michigan State campus, sounding very cat-like, yet somehow not a cat. Without ever having heard one before, I knew this had to be a gray catbird. I searched and searched through the thick foliage, and voila, that most cooperative bird not only let me see his solid gray plumage with distinctive black cap and long black tail, but also his one splash of color, the deep rusty chrism, or undertail coverts where the belly meets the underside of the tail. Unfortunately, that happened on May 11, 1975, the same day I saw my first warblers, which I'm afraid eclipsed the poor catbird. Throughout that spring, I got good at recognizing not just the muse, but the catbird's song, a long string of imitations and cool notes given at what seems like a leisurely pace, yet manages to sound energetic and vibrant. Catbirds may not top the color charts, but their large, innocent eyes, so black against that soft gray face, and their slender form give them an elegant loveliness. Catbirds usually nest fairly low in tangles of dense shrubbery, but manage better than most birds to duck in when no one is watching. Many times in autumn after the leaves are gone, I've found a catbird nest where I'd had no clue that they were nesting. Cowbirds are much better at finding their nests than we mere humans are, but catbirds are one of the few birds that recognize cowbird eggs and eject them from the nest. Soon after I moved to Duluth, I met Connie Sunquist, who seemed to know everything about every kind of bird. She's the one who told me about setting out jelly for orioles and catbirds. Catbirds are just as likely to nest in yards with no feeders as in ones offering grape jelly. They eat plenty of insects as well as berries and other fruits, and they feed their nestlings a protein-rich diet based on insects. So they thrive in yards that enjoy benign neglect, especially regarding pesticides. But the easiest way to see them out in the open is with jelly feeders. When my daughter Katie was three, she went to half-day Montessori preschool. When the weather finally got pleasant in the spring, she wanted to have what she called picnic lunches when she came home from school. She liked eating out there alone, so I'd go back in with her baby brother, but after a few days she told me she had a new special friend who liked eating picnic lunches with her. He wasn't exactly invisible, but wouldn't come anywhere near unless Katie was alone. 
He'd be nowhere in sight when I set Katie up with a sandwich, fruit, and glass of milk in the center of the picnic table, so I'd retreat indoors and peek out the window, and sure enough, I'd see Katie's friend fly in straight for the orange bowl of grape jelly I kept in the corner of the picnic table. Through the end of May and through June, Katie's little friend would fly in as soon as she was settled at the picnic table after I'd gone inside. This little catbird and my little daughter seemed to be having a most companionable picnic lunch. I always wondered why that catbird was not scared of Katie, but even more puzzled that it so consistently flew in to eat with her the moment she settled at the picnic table. Whenever I hear the expression, in the catbird seat, I always think of Katie and her catbird friend dining together at our picnic table. Of course, there must be a cat bird seated on my list of top 10 favorite birds. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.